Hello, Warriors. Welcome to Chevrons, a podcast by the Enlisted Force for the Enlisted Force. I'm your host, Mr. Timothy Sandland. Today, we are speaking to four recent participants from the technical sergeants involved in mentoring enlisted airmen, or the TIME workshop held at Hanscom Air Force Base. Technical sergeants from several Air National Guard units throughout the Northeast, as well as a handful of members of the Paraguayan Armed Forces participated. Attendees were guided by several chief master sergeants and subject matter experts about how to develop their leadership skills. Discussions were led on topics such as empowerment, total force fitness, generational leadership, emotional intelligence, and innovation. Our episode today is sort of a live trip report of the workshop. What worked, what didn't, what were some of the lessons learned, and why workshops like this are so valuable in the development of airmen and NCOs at all levels. Let's introduce our panel for today's discussion. Tech Sergeant Fallon Lundgren from the 104th Fighter Wing and Tech Sergeant Jonathan Cauley from the 102nd Intelligence Wing were both attendees at the workshop. And we also have Chief Master Sergeant Timothy Muti from the 104th Fighter Wing and Chief Master Sergeant Shane McGuire from the 102nd Intelligence Wing who were both mentors at the workshop. Hello, everyone. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming in and sharing your experience. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your military story and what is your current position? Let's start with you, Sergeant Lundgren. All right, so I'm Sergeant Lundgren. I've been in for about six years now, a little longer. Um, I am a paralegal full-time out at the 104th. I joined the Air Guard uh, on a whim last minute. I was graduating from UMass Amherst and I was freaking out about what I was gonna do with my life. So I contacted a recruiter and thought I might go to law school one day. So I said, paralegal sounds like a good fit for me. And I've been there ever since. Fantastic. Sergeant Cowley. Hey, um, Tech Sergeant Cowley. Um, I've been in for about 14 and a half years now. I uh, spent the first 10 as a traditional guardsman over in uh, CE here at the 102nd. I did a whole bunch of TDYs and one deployment overseas. And uh, I just kind of wanted to do something else with the back half of my career. So I was looking around, and uh, full-time opportunities are abundant here at the Intel portion of the wing. So I just jumped ship, and i you know, never looking back. You know, I love it over here. I love the crew that I work with. The leadership over here is fantastic. And uh, it's like a home away from home for me. Fantastic. Uh, Chief McGuire. Well, hey, I'm uh, Chief Shane McGuire. Um, I started my journey in 1995, so almost 29 years ago. Um, Started in aircraft maintenance. I think I'm on my third AFSC, so I was a uh, fuel systems mechanic, an engine mechanic, uh, an imagery analyst, and now I'm lucky enough to be the senior enlisted leader for the 102 ISR group. So um, I joined, like a lot of other people, to pay for college, um, and uh, it took me a whole lot further than that. So uh, almost, you know, 29 years later, here, here, here I sit. And Chief Beauty. Hi, it's Chief Muti. Uh, joined in 1998, uh, seven of seven in my family, so going with the Guard is a family business. I've been doing it for 25 years. Uh, I have six AFSCs, so I've been bouncing around a lot based off of aircraft conversions and stuff like that. And now I'm in the uh, 104th Medical Group as a senior enlisted leader. Great, great. So here on Chevrons, we talk about many very topics having to do with the enlisted development. Uh, presumably, a number of the topics were covered at the time workshop, so it seems like a great forum for discussing the workshop. 
with that, let's uh, focus on a few main points. Um, first of all, what are your general thoughts on the, on the workshop itself? I think the time conference plays a critical role because um, at the tech sergeant rank, a lot of us are kind of at the cusp of what are we going to do with our career? Are we going to get out? Are we going to stay in? Um, do we want a commission? Do you want to stay the enlisted route? So I think in many ways, it's a great opportunity to essentially re-blue your tech sergeants, have them reinvest and remind them why they serve, but also all the opportunities and help them learn how they can expand their horizons to outside of just wearing the rank they wear now. Yeah. I mean, overall, I thought it was uh, a great experience. Um, Definitely the rebluing thing, but it wasn't as much, you know, like drink the Kool-Aid as they usually say, as I kind of anticipated moving into it. It just kind of, it gave me a lot of perspective on where I am in my career and a lot of perspective from how other people are like dealing with similar problems and struggles, but also like the good things that come out of being, uh, you know, a successful leader and what the Air Force does have to offer. And um, I got to hear a lot of great stories from a lot of different people. but it, it definitely made me like take a step back and take a look at myself and like, oh, okay, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? So I think that alone was worth it. Yeah, I think um, obviously the idea behind the conference is to uh, further give our t- technical sergeants a chance to further develop um, where there's uh, not as many opportunities for that um, as perhaps there used to be, um, but to impl- implore them as they're going to be our replacements uh, to take that leadership role. Um, and uh, We'll get into talking about empowerment, um, but take that leadership role to the next level as they're moving up the ranks. Um, uh, to Sergeant Lundgren's point, um, there, you know, the possibility for them to be at a crossroads is there. So we want to give them that fresh perspective. We want to give them the opportunity um, to maybe put themselves in positions where they haven't been able to be before. So I think uh, overall, I think it, the idea is it's just a great opportunity uh, to bring a bunch of uh, similar ranked individuals together from disparate career fields uh, and, and give them the opportunity to, uh, to shine. Yeah, to kind of caveat that, um, Chief McGuire brings up a point. I think one of the takeaways that isn't always seen until after the fact is the peer-to-peer conversations. So having the time conference allows members from, again, different AFCs, different jobs, different bases, different states, uh, to get together and have that peer-to-peer. I feel that lately, I had a conversation earlier uh, today, actually, that with our changing Air Force and with the change of how we do PME, and not having as many in-residence courses, that peer-to-peer or that uh, ability to speak with people versus just doing book work is is invaluable. And having the ability now to reach out to people that uh, you met at this conference and have that conversation uh, is just that much easier, and then it allows you to grow. That is a huge piece of leadership, is being able to reach out to individuals that are in uh, similar scenarios or even different scenarios and work it through um, and that just is the, to me is probably one of the biggest pieces of the time conference that we kind of just let happen organically 
Um, and then it's after the fact when people realize that, oh, I can reach out to this person or I heard this story and this is how they developed. So I think that was a, a success uh, just with us here and then even just hearing throughout the conference or the workshop. Awesome. I think one of the, uh, one of the observations I made um, towards the beginning of the week, and this is probably true with um, a lot of situations like this, is you could see uh, those folks who knew each other prior to going to the conference or maybe met each other at the hotel the night before were kind of glued together as the conference started. And as the week went on, you could see the seats change a little bit in the auditorium to where people were getting comfortable with one another. And to Chief Beauty's point, uh, that networking aspect, uh, I think I think I challenged everybody midweek uh, to say, if you're not walking out of here with at least four or five names and numbers in your pocket, um, you're, you're, you're missing out on a grand opportunity. Uh, and I'm hopeful, uh, you know, through feedback that we'll hear that those uh, networks are, are being further developed. Uh, folks from, you know, different bases in different states can reach out to one another and lean on each other to say, hey, I'm experiencing this. Are you guys going through this? Or do you have a, a solution for this sort of thing? So I'm hopeful that that is something that came out of this. Uh, what do you guys think your, your most positive experience uh, was out of the conference? Uh, I'll go off of your point, Chief, of getting the numbers and talking to different people. Um, I think the capstone we did throughout the week was a great start to that. You know, I talked to people from active duty, from Otis, um, being one of fourth member I've never met before. Um, also someone who came up to me and asked me, Hey, do you know, like, is your command post here? Like I've worked with them, but, um, like to put a face to the name, but also people just interacting from, you know, the 109th, I, you know, don't really know where they are geographically on a map. I had to honestly look it up. Um, but having those conversations and knowing, building those pairs, especially coming from a legal background, we're a very small office, we're a very small AFSC. So having the opportunity to talk to someone in a completely different realm on what they do is something that you can't get on a day-to-day -day basis. That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. The capstone was a great way almost to like force you to do that, right? So you were given this group of anywhere from like six to 12 people, complete strangers, and I think they did that on purpose where no one from the same base was in the same group and your mentor definitely wasn't someone that you knew. Um, and it, it basically forced you to work with a bunch of people and just like the icebreaker, you know what I mean? And so that was really nice to, you know, I still talk to a bunch of them. We all have each other's emails and phone numbers and we're in a group chat, so um, that was really great. But the biggest takeaway for me from this is um, they had us like do an exercise and they put like a list of like 40 words on the board and they were like, okay, how would you describe yourself as a leader? And you get to pick like 20 of them. And then the second question was, okay, now using 10 of the 20 that you picked, how do you think your subordinates would describe you as a leader? And realistically, I sat there and I was like, man, I have, I have no idea. Like I've never taken the time to ask my troops what they think of me, what am I doing right, what am I doing wrong, and get like actual constructive criticism, you know what I mean? I don't want like a yes man who's gonna be like, oh yeah, you're doing great, you know? Nothing's wrong, you can't improve anywhere, you're perfect across the board because we all know that's, you know, a load of crap. So um, that was really good for me. And then it segued really good into um, the 360 concept that they're gonna be rolling out where you'll actually get anonymous feedback from your leadership, your peers, and your subordinates. And I mean, I'm 
I'm really looking forward to that because it would it'd be nice to know on the areas that I can improve and like where I'm lacking. Awesome. Thanks. Chief Muti? So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. I think that uh, one of them was that it is a challenge to put something together like this. And as much as on paper things look great, to actually see it come together is, is awesome. And to see the engagement and the involvement of, of all the airmen, all the technical sergeants, the staff sergeants, um, our foreign uh, nationals. Partners. Foreign partners yeah. uh, that were there. Uh, it, it was great. I also, uh, for me, it's being able to talk to the technical sergeants, talk to our team, explain kind of some of the vision, some of the ideas that we have, what we're trying to work towards but then getting the feedback from them to say, I think you're on track, or maybe we should look at something different, or maybe we should refocus or recage. And, I, and I, I gain a lot from that, because again, same with the same concept that you brought up, like you, you, I don't wanna hear like I'm doing a great job. Like if I'm doing a great job, tell me. But if, if I'm sideways, I tell that to my group all the time, like just let me know. Mm -hmm. And uh, to, to have the conversations uh, throughout um, during the briefs, but really after the briefs, uh, I think is just really important and it just shows the, the maturity and, and, and the involvement and the growing of the force that ultimately our job is to train our replacements. Um, we, we spoke of that and, and to see that, that, that engagement is just, just it's awe-inspiring. Yeah, I think, uh, I think one of my, I don't know, I had a lot of really positive experiences during the week most of them, uh, to your point, most of them occurred after uh, after class um, in a social environment where people just felt a little more free to talk. Uh, I had conversations with folks from other wings. Uh, one was an engine troop from the 109th, so we kind of shared the same background. We bonded. Uh, one I spoke with who was, uh, she had mentioned during some of the sessions that she was kind of struggling through her career and felt as though she was, you know, maybe not seen or not heard, but we had a really solid conversation to the point where, you know, she felt comfortable having that conversation. She felt comfortable, you know, having that outlet, which was just fantastic for me. I think what we're all going to find here is that at the end of the day, most of our positive experiences come out of those conversations and that networking that, that occurred after the conference. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk through, what do you guys think the benefits of the conference were? <clears throat> oh, I keep saying conference. I can't say that. What do you think the benefits of the workshop were? Workshop. So one benefit, I think, was um, we had, I believe, Dr. Frost talk to us about generation generational leadership um and as a millennial um we do take up majority i think now in the force and when he had a stand and it was majority millennials in that room but what blew me away was when there was gen z standing as tech sergeants and in my head you know i was thinking well they're not old enough to be tech sergeants they're still in high school what do you mean and of course, I have brothers who are Gen Z. They're much younger, but they're in college. Um, so of course, they're old enough to be in the military. So understanding that and taking that perspective of the plane that example he used, right? Like we're, we're not changing who we are. We're just outfitting ourselves 
to adjust to this newer generation, right? How they speak, what is now the norm that may have not been the norm for uh, millennials or Gen Xers. I think that was really important because now tech sergeants who are millennials, you know, we're dealing with Gen Z. Um, so how do we do that, right? Like one of our gripes when we were coming up was how Gen X handled us as younger enlisted. So now the roles are reversed and it's a good opportunity to learn how to handle those conversations and those relationships. I love that point. Uh, I love the point where your perspective is now affected uh, in a similar way that it was for for the the, uh, the Gen Xers, right? So now you're you said dealing with uh, you know working with the mm-hmm. Gen Z, um, and it's a different perspective than than maybe you had. So like that's a that's a big that's a big thing. Yeah, Gen uh, X probably. I mean, not Gen X. I'm sorry. Gen Z probably views millennials how West millennials viewed Gen X, right? So that shift in where we are now, that's that's a big eye-opener uh, and one I didn't expect to have. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, it, it's just funny. I mean, I know, I mean, old man in the room. I, I, when, I, when I joined, I just remembered my supervisor telling me, you know, they don't make them like they used to, you know, like you're, 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 what you're doing isn't, isn't gonna equate to anything, you know, and it, it, it is funny, it's, it's, it's the same story it's very cyclical yeah time and time again <laughs> you know and uh so it understanding that and appreciating that i mean that that is huge and it's it's just funny to me because i i sit in the room and I, I joke with with my supervisors and stuff all the time you know like we said the same thing about you and, and look where you are so like just eyes wide open uh understand how everything is being uh taken in and and, and evolve and, and and adjust it's just it's just funny. I, I just I remember that to this day, as as uh, Airman just carving his way, pretty much figuring out that he's never going to make it anywhere. <laughs> and then they do. And then they do. Yeah, that's a thanks for thanks for bringing that up. That yeah. actually does my heart a lot of good. <laughs> it does. Uh, Sergeant Collie. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, aside from the the things we've kind of already touched on, like the networking, giving you a new perspective, a bunch of new tools for your toolbox. Um, I think that the capstone project itself was very beneficial to a lot of people as long as they actually took the problem set seriously. Like we were given a bunch of time to develop um, solutions for what big Air Force is actually struggling with, right? So retention, recruiting, um, like all, there was a huge list of projects. And um, I was very fortunate to have worked with a lot of um, intelligent tech sergeants and um, our project was on multi-capable airmen, and you know we all kind of just worked together and found a very viable solution. And um, Chief Hurl had actually reached out to us, and it, it seems like they're going to be moving forward with our idea, and it may even like get some traction moving upwards. So we were actually given an opportunity to solve one of like big Air Force or specifically like the guards' problems. And I mean, you know, even if it isn't our idea that fixes the problem, we're just Brain, we brainstormed and gave them a couple of solutions that might actually work. So I think that's, you know, that was just a great opportunity for a lot of the tech sergeants that went to this conference. I think circling back to like favorite points of the week uh, was uh, hearing, was being able to, you know, be there in person and hear all of the different, uh, you know, problem statements. Here's some courses of action. Here's a solution statement. 
things that are like you said are viable and things that we can do you know some things are heavy lift but some things are fairly easy to implement and things that people like chief moody and i just happen to overlook simply because it's not right in our face or we don't have the perspective that you guys have so uh that was a that was a surefire favorite moment for me during the week so i think uh i think it's it was interesting that you said that you know you guys came up with a solution and i think a lot of airmen don't realize that they have the ability to make change so for you saying that is it, again it's it's one of those moments where yes and I don't think a lot of, uh, of you understand that you are making change. So it may not be this grand project pushing an aircraft or some huge program like, you know, out of a big hangar and look at all this limelight, but, but you have the ability, you have the capability, and you have the support to make change. So it's taking that, that, that's, that is where you're at now to actually employ that and actually do that because you are the ones that are going to make the change for the future of the Air Force. And just because you're on Barnes P. Patch or if you're at Otis or you're at the 109th in Syracuse, you have that ability to make change because that is what we're, it's what we're told to do. It's what we're, uh, it's what we're trying to think of the charged word. Charged with. It is. It's what we're charged with, yes, to do, and you're being told to do it. So don't sit back, find the problem set, but also find the solution. And that's the key. And I think that's where we're crossing that bridge. It's very easy to find a problem, right? I can walk around and this is this and this and this, but it's taking that next step to say, this is what I found as a problem, but here is a solution or multiple solutions. And then trying to work through that. That, 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 is, that is where leaps and bounds and uh, I think that was really awesome that you, you brought that up, and, and I just hope that you continue to, to grow and you can and continue to, to talk to that, again, with, with your peers and, and with everyone, because that's how we make what we do better. I think when we, um, when we talk through the problem and solutions, like one of the things that we discussed during the week was uh, the 360-degree leadership model. And part of that is uh, the concept of leading up, essentially, you all as NCOs coming to your supervisors, uh, your leaders and saying, uh, hey, we're struggling with this. This is a problem, but here's a potential solution. Um, and I think that that speaks to what Chief Muti was, was saying. Um, but, you know, the recognition that that's not always an easy thing to do, right? So I guess I would throw that back at you guys when we talk about things like leading up, where do you, do you see that as a struggle for yourselves? Do you see it as a struggle for your peer group? And how do we get after making sure that you guys are, uh, you guys have the bandwidth to be able to do that? That wasn't on the script, sorry. I just yeah. threw that in there. Flying off. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you and I had a opportunity to have a few offline conversations afterwards. and. One thing that, like you said to me, that really stuck with me was like, man, I love talking to you because you don't pull any punches, right? So I feel like in order to get the change or when you need to have those hard conversations with your leadership, if you're like dancing around 
the big topic, they're never gonna fully understand what you're trying to get at or what you're trying to correct or what would make certain things better. So, I mean, you can't pull those punches. I mean, it, it is difficult conversations that sometimes just need to be had. Obviously, you know, respectfully and, you know, we are all in the military and, you know, use your chain of command properly. However, um, sometimes you just have to call a bush a bush, right? Good point. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know how to phrase this, but I think there's a lot of upward mentorship. Well, let me start backing up a little bit. So first you gotta learn as an airman how to be a good follower and then what is expected of your leaders. I think when you first come into the military, it's all fire hosed at you, right? The whole culture and never really taught what looks like a good leader. Um, but then once you get kind of more senior and more into your groove in your career, you start to notice when leadership isn't going right. And it's having the confidence to respectfully go up to your leader, um, but also having building that relationship beforehand where you trust them and they trust you to have those candid conversations of, hey, X, Y, and Z is not working out. Um, I've noticed, you know, maybe if you approached it this way, the shop as a whole would be more behind you or more eager to do this special project or whatever the scenario may be. So I think it's a two-way kind of conversation, right? Have the confidence, but also make sure your leader is receptive, right? And building, and it just goes to having conversations at the, the, um, at the printer, right? Or just how is your day, right? Get to know them as a person and those upward mentorship conversations can be easier, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I think um, somebody in the audience, uh, if you guys remember this, somebody in the audience made the point that I thought was, this is another one of those things that just kind of you know, flies, flies over our heads. They said, okay, you know, we're spending the week talking about leadership, about leading up, about mentoring up. Who's giving this lesson to the senior NCOs and the CGOs and the FGOs? And that was kind of a, you know, knock me in the head moment. I went, well, crap, we're not, but we're going to. Uh, so I think that this, and, and you use the word uh, culture, right? Mm -hmm. This is a bit of a culture shift. There's likely a lot of folks out there that are uh, similar to the four of us in this room here, where they're open and receptive to being mentored uh, or being led by those that are subordinate to them but there are also a lot of folks out there who are not. And I think that that's something that we need to get after because circling back around at the beginning of this conversation, you you guys are gonna be the ones who are in our seats and in fairly short order. It's not that not all that far away. So I thought that was a, an interesting point to make, but the, I think the culture is something we need to get after too. Yeah, and I think that uh you know, we kind of accelerate change or lose. You know, General Brown is telling us to push decision-making down to the lowest appropriate level. And from from our standpoint, we just have to be engaged in that mm -hmm. and and realize that that has to happen. And uh, the discussions that we've had in the, in the past, you know, with that is, you know, in garrison and, and with low risk is, is a great time to start testing that and allowing uh, the lower leadership to, to run processes and programs and make change and stuff um, because of, of the low risk when it does come down to the point where it has to be done uh, 
that discomfort is is mitigated may not be eliminated but it's mitigated because they've been allowed to make um, decisions and they've been allowed to make mistakes but ultimately have come to outcomes and gains so I think it's it's it is it's it's a it's a conversation definitely it's a shift in again how we do business but it's it's where we are today and and as we do that it's a it's this is generational change and it's another Good conversation point. that I had that um, that's why, again, having this workshop is so important to have these conversations because now we're speaking to it, to the technical sergeants, the staff sergeants, and now they're growing with that concept in hand, which then will slowly make it down to the airmen. And then and that, that's how we make these changes and that's how we grow as a force. And, and it's 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 just how it has to be and uh, it's it's exciting to see um it is a little unnerving because it's it is a little bit different but i'm excited to, to be part of it and, and and do it yeah i think uh you know with general brown's action order eliminating bureaucracy um i think it's important for all leaders and when i say all leaders writ large across the force anywhere from a staff sergeant all the way up to the top. We're all leaders in some way, shape, or form, and I think we all need to do our part uh, to get behind eliminating bureaucracy, making processes easier, being smarter about decisions. I don't really know where to go with that. <laughs> well, well, I mean, leading to, to efficiency, right? Because we're, if time is finite. Time is finite. We only have so much time to get right. things done. And if we're wasting our time doing things because that's how it used to be done and we're not doing it because it makes sense, mm-hmm. we're just wasting time. And time, as you said, like the, the, the technical sergeant sitting across from us will be in our seat soon, right? That time, it sounds crazy, right? 25 years sounds crazy. 29 years sounds crazy. It happens in a blink of an eye. It does. And if we're just not doing it effective and efficiently, we're doing it wrong. And so I guess it's kind of looking at it from that lens of, you know, when we're doing these processes and procedures and when we're doing change and why we're doing change, what is the intent? What is the goal? And by using those lenses, it just aids us in maybe we don't need to be doing it or maybe we need to change everything that we do on it uh, to do it better. And, and so that allows us to do other things as well. I had a boss who used to say rarely has the expression, we've always done it this way, ever been a good idea for continuing <laughs> to do it that way? So uh, to your point, that's definitely true. All right, so uh, when we talk through um, the, the, the entirety of the workshop, what, what do you guys think didn't work? What, what do you think we need to change next time around? One thing I would have loved to walk away with was more tools in my pocket of, and I'm thinking more specifically of having those difficult conversations with your subordinates. Um, You know, every conversation, every subordinate is going to be completely different, the scenarios surrounding it, but having various ways to practice it um, would have been great. Or, you know, what resources outside of the traditional supervisor resources can I refer my airman that is having a problem to um so for example I'll use fitness right um I'm a young airman who failed her first PT test out of basic training 
um, I was able to learn from that, right? But what I would have loved was, you know, my supervisor coming to me and being like, what's going on in your life at that time? Um, at the time, I had a lot going on. I was moving uh, in the midst of taking my PT test and a whole other personal issues that it would have been nice to be heard, um, have those conversations. Also, what resources can I use to get fit? Right now we have, I believe it's called OTX, right? Or o- O2X. O2X. O2X, okay. Um, so how to have those difficult conversations where you're putting the member on notice that maybe they're not meeting standards, but how do you correct that behavior, right? So I would have loved to have more of that put into my toolbox. Do you think that uh, like a practical application scenario-based kind of one-on-one or, um, you know, where you had the opportunity to sit and occupy both of those roles do you think that that would have proved helpful yeah so when the first shirts uh did their presentation they had a little bit of a role-playing scenario and i think that's kind of what i had envisioned maybe we went out into our capstone groups um and practiced those difficult conversations um maybe not in front of an auditorium full of people right (laughs) um but just using that practice um you know i had a conversation earlier and it's ALS is all correspondence now, and that's where most guardsmen would have gotten that practice. Um, so giving it in person as a tech sergeant, I think it's just as valuable as giving it to a senior airman. So I, I appreciate that, because um, I think that that's, that's kind of where I think talking through this and everything else is one of the, the goals of the workshop or one of the things is, is bridging that gap, right? Mm-hmm. So Sergeant Lundgren, is is a unique where she is younger in her career right so but we we have uh staff sergeants technical sergeants we used to call it the staff infection right like you're you're, you're a staff sergeant for many moons Mm -hmm. um and there's a large gap in between als and ncoa uh, for pme right and you're kind of stuck in this quandary and again talking earlier um, in this conversation about that you know providing that kind of that period where you're in that am I staying in am I getting out but also that point of like I haven't really got the PME that I think I need because I've been stuck in this section I think that to to her point of maybe having some of those things that would build those tools that have just kind of been stagnant for a little bit um I think we kind of we, we we can do better on that. And I think that's a, a focus that I think we should work on um, to to make sure that we're we are hitting some of those points of of the leadership and supervisorial skills um, that can help. Um, to her point, where she talked about, you know, we can sit down and uh, I'm just going to use the PT example or the fitness example because because she brought it up. But you know, we'll sit down and we'll have the conversation with the member, but. Uh, those conversations are about rehabilitation, right? We, sometimes we miss, we miss that mark, where it's just because I sat down and had the conversation, like you need to do better. Here's the standards, blah 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 blah. We have a role and responsibility to f- with follow through, right? That 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 isn't the 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 paperwork or that discussion isn't the end. It's actually the beginning of the rehabilitation. So it's it's teaching that that what is the next step. 
how do we continue this conversation? How do we how do we get better as a group? How do we get better as an individual? And so we can get through this this uh, this hurdle that we're running into um, to better, so that then we can move on and grow. And right, there's a little hurdle. It's a bump. We all got bumps in the roads. Every single one of us here. You know, we didn't do it right all the time. And if anyone says they did it, uh, I mean, good on them. But I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> we all have stories. And <laughs> it's, but but we've learned from those, right? That's the key thing because I mean, I will say that. For the most part, I had really good leadership through my career. And when you hit those bumps in the road, that was the big thing. It was, okay, here we are. We're here again. How did we get here? Okay, how do we get out of it? And then that progression of, of moving forward. Yeah. And I think that that would be a, a good thing to kind of speak Absolutely. to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I'd completely agree with um, the lack of skill sets and actual practical application for, I mean, it should be at the staff sergeant level, right? Like, so I was fortunate enough to get in residence for ALS, but I mean, in the guard, like our base gets what, two seats a year, maybe something like that. It's ridiculous. It's, and I feel like that is part of the problem. Um, like, cause in the guard, everyone's guaranteed more or less staff, right? So like, but are, who are we promoting? Like, are these people actually ready to be an NCO and lead and instruct and all that stuff? I know that our base or our unit specifically is working to fix that. We're making it a little harder, you know, and you have to like take tests and check all a little bit more boxes like for the leadership skills and abilities um, in order to even go to a board to be considered for staff, which is great. And that definitely needs to happen. But I think that's a huge problem guard wide, right, is because how much are you actually going to learn by taking an online course where you can just control F everything? And I hate to say that, but it's all open book. Like, how much are you actually learning? And it, the answer is nothing. Like, you're not ready unless you do go in residence and get that application. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah, I'll I just be honest. To touch um, on that with I you. did ALS via correspondence, and I couldn't tell you what I learned. Yeah. And I'm about to start NCOA, and it's probably going to be the same thing, right? I'm going to finish that course online, and I'm going to brain dump it all and move on to the next thing. So I guess, uh, you know, uh, as an aside, I know typically when you get to the end of one of those PME courses, especially correspondence, they'll offer you some sort of critique or feedback mechanism. Mm -hmm. Use it, please. Uh, the, one of the one of the things that has driven me crazy is, and I talk about it all the time, um, history, heritage, those are things that in the Air Force, they, those are things we don't talk about anymore. Mm -hmm. Those are things that are not a part of your PME anymore. And it's mind-blowing to me. Uh, so use that feedback and say, here's what I need more of. Here's the stuff that will stick throughout my career. And here's the stuff that's just not, it just doesn't matter. I'll be willing to do that. That's probably an aside to this whole program, but yeah. I figured I'd But um, I did have something else yeah, aside please. from all of that that uh, I would have liked to have seen mm. at uh, this workshop. Um, so it's called a time workshop, right? And as NCOs, as tech sergeants, um, it's very unlikely that, you know, you don't have troops under you. You don't have additional duties, additional responsibilities at this point in your career. You have all of this extra responsibility, like piling up and piling up and piling up. But they don't even talk about, like, time management. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a, it's a time conference. But, like, okay, you're giving me all of this extra responsibility and telling me what I should be doing, but how do I do it? Right? Like, how do I prioritize and execute? And then at the same time, like, 
okay, now that I'm doing all this, do I have to work later? Does that mean that it's going to affect like my home life? Like how do you maintain a healthy work-life balance on top of like how am I supposed to get through all my day-to-day tasks? And like you can only delegate so much and you only know so much, but like uh, maybe just a little bit, like a block of time about like, oh, okay, this is how we do it as senior leaders. This is what's worked for us through our careers. Something along those lines, I think would have been super beneficial for all of the tech sergeants in the room. Make time for time management is what you're saying? You got it. Got it. Make time for time. I think we can do that. I think adding to that to you is prioritizing. Like, how do you prioritize? Um, I had a boss once tell me, actually, almost every day, if um, everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority. So how do you, what is your wisdom to us to prioritize, right? And if we don't know, you know, encourage us to have those conversations with you so we can figure it out. All good points. Yeah really good stuff i think um what there was one suggestion and i can't remember i think it was in an offline conversation where one of the tech sergeants pulled me aside and said hey next year in kind of in keeping with the time idea give us more time to work on whatever it is that is the desired outcome of the workshop so if it's a capstone if it's a prod, whatever it happens to be, give us more time to work on that where you as mentors, coaches, leaders are not involved. And I thought about that for a little bit and it made sense to me. I'm curious about your thoughts on that, if that would be, if you thought that would be helpful or if you think it's more helpful having the mentor in the room anytime you guys are together as a flight. I think it's like a 50-50 split, right? Because sometimes people are scared to say things depending on the rank of the individual who's also in the room, right? Like like the, it, when a chief walks into a room of tech sergeants and the room goes quiet, right? Like, you know what I mean? So there is a little bit of hesitation depending on what you're talking about. No idea what you're talking sure. about. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, I'll just excuse myself out of here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't think it necessarily matters too much if the mentor is there or not. But I mean, they did, obviously you have to be flexible and with everything that happened through the time conference, people were late, things got pushed. Um, they had originally a good amount of time set for us to knock these capstones out of the park, but that was what went first, right? So when other things ran long, that's where we suffered. So I do agree that like, okay, maybe that time should be a priority and maybe try and take it from somewhere else. I know it's difficult, and I mean, I don't know how you would balance that, but um, I feel like that was the first thing to go every day. Like, they were like, oh yeah, you have an hour and a half today, and then it was like half an hour, and then, oh yeah, by the way, we're locking the building, so you have to get out. Like, go do it somewhere else. But I mean, fine for everyone who was staying at the hotel, you know, that's great, but I mean, we had a couple people in our group that were commuters. Like, so now they have to drive to the hotel, hang out there in their uniform, and then, commute home like that's it just seemed not fair to some individuals i don't know if it was someone in my group but someone i had a conversation with while we were at the workshop was made a good point when they said monday was a travel day for us and then we met up um for the meet and greet type event at the very um at in the evening that would have been a great day um if we maybe reported in at 1300 get to know your group and kind of start working. Um, even though maybe going in blind before you're starting to get all the information from these seminars to, you know, and then using the information you're getting 
to beef up what your your project's going to be. I just thought that was a really great um, point they had raised. Do you do you think? Um, and I'm just uh, I'm kind of spitballing here because uh, ultimately the goal is to make this better next time than it was this time around, and then so on and so forth. So. Do you think that reaching out to the flights ahead of time, saying, here's your list of uh, subjects, we're two or three months out from the conference, find a time to meet as a flight, whether it's over uh, virtual means or via telephone, whatever it is, decide what your project is going to be. And that way on day one, like here's the, here's the outline of the project that you're going to be doing. Here's all the stuff that you can choose from or choose your own adventure. And then on that Monday, here's your agenda. You're going to come in at 1300. There'll be a social time. And then you guys are set off to start working on things under your own. Do you think that would be successful? Um, for my helpful? own, from my own experience, I don't think so. Cause, um, I wasn't originally on a team's list. I had to reach out to someone and be like, uh, Hey, um, I don't have an assigned flight. Um, so I know there were already like group texts going on that I was left off of cause I was, you know, put on the list last minute. So if you can get those lists nailed down ahead of time and give them maybe two or three weeks prior, I think that would be great just so those communications can start happening or even if they're drilling prior to the workshop and they can set a time off where everyone from the 104th or the 102nd gets to the same conference room and they all do a conference call, whatever it may be. Um, if as long as that list can be narrowed down and finalized with enough time, solid suggestions. I'm, you'll notice I'm furiously scribbling <laughs> notes over here. So that um, I, I do think that well. that might be beneficial. However, it seems like it was just kind of left up to the tech sergeants as individuals to try and reach out to these people. And some of us may not have had like contact numbers. Like I spoke to a couple of the groups, and they were like, "Oh yeah, I didn't meet anyone until day one." You know what I mean? And like, I was fortunate enough where someone in my group, you know, had the numbers and created a group chat. And so we were all texting, kind of getting familiar and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if like the senior enlisted advisor just put together the group or a group email or something like that, hey, these are your members, this is who's in your group, and this is a list of topics I'd like you all to discuss amongst yourself in this platform, doesn't matter what it is. And just at least decide on one topic that you're gonna that you can all agree with, and you'll get behind. And that way, you hit the ground running. Because again, day one, nothing, right? Social hangout, very very mellow. Day two, we spent the whole day just talking about ideas, even into like day three. So we didn't. We really only had what like a day and a half to grab the concept, talk through it, figure it out get it into some kind of like either PowerPoint or bullet points or an outline and then present it. Like it, it I just feel like it, it could have been so much more if we even just had those extra like two hours, you know what I mean? So, yeah. No, those are all, those are all great points. Yeah. Um, I, learned and I can't tell you how encouraged I am to have this conversation with and that I, I'm hopeful that, you know, feedback, I mean, we're, we're talking with two, two out of 125 that attended this conference. So I'm hopeful that, uh, feedback is is as forthcoming throughout the other 123 as it is with with you two. So I appreciate that. So let's um, we'll we'll kind of bring this up, right? So the the <coughs> proverbial elephant in the room. So there was um, there was some we'll call it raw emotion uh, that was that was shown towards 
uh, the tail end of the week uh, where a couple of uh, attendees, uh, two tech sergeants, uh, technically three, I think there were three that, that actually got up to kind of speak their mind, um, seemed a bit of a, a tipping point um, for them personally in their careers and what they had been dealing with. Um, I just kind of wanted to talk through that, have a conversation about where you guys were at with that, what you thought of it, and whether or not you thought it was helpful. Um, I'm open to any. Yeah, I, I, um, I think I think it's important. I think it's important that we uh, we understand and we realize that uh, we might feel that we have things going in the right direction and we're doing the right things, but we still have members of our team that are that are struggling, having difficulties um, up and down the chain, right? So it's just, this is a, a forum, but it was based off of um, their scenarios and, and their events. And I think that it's important that we that we uh, listen to that and we understand that that's still there. And it's, and it's encouraging. It's encouraging that the members have the ability to, to speak to it. Um, but it's also uh, allows me, just, uh, you know, in, in my organization and, and with my team that, you know, I, I need to have these, continue to have these conversations. I'm not getting it right all the time. And, I'm, and, and we're not getting it right. And, and I, I kind of joke, I joke with my team all the time. And I say, if I get it 60% of the right, you know, most of the time, then, then I'm actually doing a really good job because I'm really trying hard. But, but I'm also very aware that, you know, I'm going to make mistakes. And so instead of just, you know, not talking about it and brushing it under the, the carpet, you know, per se, I think it, it's important that we, we address it, we understand that that's there, and then we try to work towards, you know, a, a better work environment. We work towards trying to take, take care of each other better, um, and, and be there to, to listen. Uh, sometimes that's the most important part. The most important part is actually, and it's, there's, there's a difference between hearing, you know, I hear you and listening. Listening is that, that active piece of actually, you know, letting that person, you know, speak to you and, and, and tell you what's going on and, and what struggles they're having, um, and then try to work towards a, a solution, you know? And I think that, um, even though it might have been a little bit like, wow, what's going on? Um, I think for the room as a whole, again, 100, probably 135 people based off of uh, presenters and everything else, um, I think it's a little bit like, okay, we still have some work to do. Bit of a wake-up call. Yeah, and that's good, though. That's good because, because uh, that then allows us to understand that we need to focus some attention and, 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 and we need to get better because we need the team. Right, we we need everybody involved. Everybody, it has the most important job. You know that that was the conversation that I that, that one of the, one of the talking points that I had is who has the most important job. Everybody has the most important job um, because we have to do it as a team. Um, and I think that that was uh, it was good tumbling, but in the same, I think that it gives us something to uh, to strive to do better, and that that's also what this is about. Right, it's not just about. Uh, teaching and, and training and cultivating technical sergeants, it's also about having us uh, open our eyes and understand that we need to do better. That's okay, because that, that, that's what we're here for. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a, a list of things, and it, right, I figured we were gonna touch on this at some point, and I, 
as Chief McGuire had come in, he was like, okay, so, I mean, we can all, right, sit here and talk about all the negative things associated with it, right? But what, what kind of positive thing can you, can you pull out? And I was like looking at my list and I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm, maybe I'm thinking about and looking at this the wrong way. Um, but it was one of the positive things is like, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable, Right, we talk about that a lot. Good point. And I, um, as a leader, you know, I am not prepared, and I don't think anyone sitting in that audience was prepared and had the tool sets to handle it. So it was incredibly interesting to see a whole board of chiefs up there and just kind of watch them and see exactly what they were doing, how they were responding, and how they would handle that situation. And um, it just goes to show you like what kind of leadership skills you all have that we don't yet. And, um, you know, that's something that I look forward to learning to, because if I was up there in that situation, I would not have been prepared. I would not have had the tool sets to handle that situation as calmly and as well as you did and as uncomfortable. Like you could see it in the 125 or 123 people that were sitting down at that time. You know, everyone started to get a little squirmish and squiggly and like slouching down in their chairs. And it was, it was definitely an eye-opening moment, like you said. And um, it, was, it was one positive thing, I guess, that I got out of it is just watching how a bunch of chiefs handled the situation like that. It was very impressive. So I appreciate that. You know, Leading people is the hardest job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and uh Susan Lindgren brought it up earlier, you know, everyone is unique and different and everyone's situation is different and and so it's just yeah, it's but it's try your best. You know, and, and again, I'm not <clears throat> gonna get it right all the time, but it's not gonna stop me from trying to, to, to get to yes and get to the right answer. So I think um, you really hit the nail on the head when you said watching and being able to observe the Chiefs and how they handled it. But I also think one of the main focus, I think it was Chief Jeffers from the 104th that kept saying, like, this is a time for real talk. Um, And seeing that the the work, the time workshop um, was able to get to the point where these individuals felt comfortable enough to express what they were going through and use it as an opportunity for discussion, I think speaks volumes. It could have been very easy for them to just sit back and not say anything and be very dismissive of what was being talked about or what they were learning, being, ugh, they really don't care. You know, it's what they're saying isn't true and then just brew with it, right? but they felt comfortable enough to say something. And I think that speaks volumes to the environment that uh, the cadre and those who put on the workshop did, right? Like you, you met your goal there, um, being able to have real talk. So for context, uh, for folks that are listening, uh, the situation was such that two airmen decided to get up and present their personal situations that they had dealt with over, I'd say, an abundance of time. And it became a boiling point for them where they felt comfortable, thankfully, bringing their stories to us. It culminated with one of them looking at the group of chiefs and saying, you failed us as leaders. Now, so, so that's, the, that's the elephant in the room, right? That's what we're, that's what we're here to talk about. So... Um, as I was sitting through that, initially, uh, my mind instantly went to being defensive, uh, 
how have I failed you? Uh, how did I wrong you? But then having some time to sort through it as we were listening and hearing their stories, I thought to myself, well, she's not talking about us. They're not talking about us. They're talking about leaders. They're talking about leaders at every level. So at the end of it, it was easy to say to them, yeah, we have, we've, we failed you. Because at some point during whatever window of time your experience lasted for, there is not one shape, there's not one chance that there weren't a multitude of people that walked by these situations and just decided, nope, I'm not gonna say anything, it's not my place. Uh, or that said, I'll let somebody else handle it. So in the grand scheme of things, yeah, we did. Ultimately, I think that each of those tech sergeants had a good outcome to the week. They both participated in their capstones. I think they both got some good out of it. There, was, there were a lot of conversations afterwards. But ultimately, I, I hope that that was more of a learning experience for the overall audience where they could say, hey, you know what, sometimes it is okay to, to say what's on your mind. Sometimes it is okay to get things off of your chest. Sometimes it is okay to have a boiling point. Granted, we're in the military, there's a chain of command, right? There's a right way to do things. Um, those are the rules. Sometimes there's exceptions to the rules. And, and I think that, that to me, that was, that was one of those exceptions. No, I, I, uh, I appreciate you guys being willing to talk through that because that was a, that was a unexpected part to the week, but I think it was ultimately it was a really good learning lesson toward, towards the end of that week. And if anything, we talk about leading up. That's was an interesting way to do it, but that was exactly <laughs> what that was. That was, that was exactly what that, that moment was. Any other thoughts on that situation? No. Just no, that's, given it, that given pretty it much sums it up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so running around, uh, closing thoughts. What are your what are your closing thoughts on the the time conference, on the events that we had, the speakers we had, the presentations that were there? What are your overall thoughts? Are we are we gonna did, did, know, did you get to touch on the empowerment portion? Yeah. Oh no, it, yeah. we haven't. Yeah. Oh, do you want to? Do you want to go back to what didn't work? No, I just the uh, theme. Like, yeah. what did you think of the theme? Okay, yeah. So everybody, kind of talk through what you thought of the, the the theme for the time conference this year was empowered airmen. Uh, and before we started recording this podcast, Chief Muti shared with me that uh, he wasn't super enthused about that. So talk talk me through that. Yeah. So uh, I mean. I believe at this level, so I believe when we're working through the uh, NCO tiers and into the senior NCO tiers, um, my personal belief is that we're, we're moving through empowered and we're going more towards obligated. Um, I feel empowered allows me to make a decision it make make a choice. So I'm empowered to do something. So that means that either I can or I can't. And I feel that when we start moving through the, uh, the ranks E6, E7, E8, and up, um, we become more obligated to do things. I'm obligated to take care of my airmen. I'm obligated to make sure that they're trained and equipped. I'm obligated to make sure that I'm doing right 
for the organization, right for the Air Force and beyond. And I just look at it from that standpoint because I feel like I kind of lose that ability to, to, to choose because I'm put in positions where now that I have to, I have to make the choice, right? And, and again, I may not get it right, but there's times and places where we have to make those difficult decisions. And when we're talking about Empowered, I just feel like it just still allows me a little bit of flexibility. And we're trying to train through that point where the, where now, now, it's, now it's, your, it's your ball. It's your core. You need to start making the decisions. And so I believe that, yes, you know, um, I think as an airman, you know, going through basic training, I, I talked about it to the team um, that, you know, besides coming from sister services, we all started from the same place. All of us started as airmen. We all started in Lackland Air Force Base, the gateway of the Air Force. And we have grown through this. So at that point, yeah, you have to, you have to embrace the culture. You have to be uh, almost indocked in how the military works. I mean, we even talked about that, drinking from a fire hose. But as we start making our way through these, these uh, promotions and through the ranks and through these leadership roles, we kind of have to flip the script a little bit and understand that you know, the, the, the decisions have to be made. And so by, by empowering, yes, I understand, I understand the concept, but I feel that we need to kind of change our thought process a little bit and understand that we, we have to do that. And, and when you look at it from being obligated, then you kind of say like, that's me. You know, I, I, I joked about it when I, I took over the position as a, the, the uh, senior enlisted leader at Med Group. There was one day I had a revelation and I said to myself, wait a second, they're waiting for me. Like they're waiting for me to make the decision. Um, and there was a game changer first off because I was like, whoa, man, wait a second. <laughs> but second, it, it, it did it. It clicked with me to understand that like I have to lead. I have to make the decisions. I have to make choices that are difficult and, and, and push through. And I think that when we're coming through that crossroad, right, we talked about that crossroad, that point um, of, the, of the technical sergeant and then pursuing forward. We need to understand that, like, where we fit in the mix and what our role is, and then how we employ that. Again, going back to that, that concept. And by having that conversation of, like, now you're obligated to lead your people. You're obligated to take care of your airmen. You're obligated to do right. You're obligated to make sure that they do have the equipment and the training and the ability. And then you're providing them the resources and providing them to make those decisions at the lower level. Then the entire team, the entire organization will excel. And if we're still looking at it from this point of like, I have a choice to do something, I just feel like we're, we're, we're still just kind of, you know, we're, we're bobbling with our hands. What do I do with my hands? And so I, I, use, a, I use an example um, when I talk about it to, to a lot of uh, different people is that we can stand and watch someone f fight something. Let's say move a piece of age equipment on the flight line. We can, it's, it's not my job. Right? That's, my job is not to move that piece of age equipment. Or I can go out and assist and know that, hey, I'm here to help my, my fellow airmen and make that job a little bit easier and then go about my day. And now instead of that person struggling for hours trying to do that, it's minutes and then we press on. So I think it's just looking at it a little bit differently. It's still the same topic, but using words matter, using a little bit different words and saying that, now it's your, it's, it's, it's your point. It's your ability. You have to go and make the changes. You have to go and make the decisions. You have to go 
and lead your people. And by saying that, I think that is that turning point. That's the point where you're stepping off into the next level from the NCO into the senior NCO. And I think that that's where I think that, yes, you're empowered, but you're now, you're, you're obligated. It's, this is your game. And, and, and you are going to push us into the future. So I'm curious of our, uh, of our two technical sergeants, their <laughs> yeah. thoughts on, on that. Um, so when I think of empowerment, I think I take more of an approach with Chief Mudi is I think how do we as tech sergeants empower our airmen, our staff sergeants that are under us, right? You know, how do we let go of the reins and let them make those critical decisions while still making sure their training is getting done and, you know, they're meeting standards? You know, what does that look like? How do we effectively empower them while still making sure that critical training is still getting done, right? Because I feel like a lot of tech sergeants or anyone in that training role is afraid to stray from the MTP or the military training plan just a little bit, you know, because, you know, these tasks need to get signed. I need to get them to their their five level, their seven level. But also this airman has experience from their civilian job or their civilian um, education that has nothing to do with their military jobs. So they may be looking at something completely different than I am because I I do it every day, right? So how do I empower them to feel comfortable enough to raise their hand and say, hey, actually, Sergeant, I think taking this approach is going to be much better, right? And how do we accept that as their leaders? Yep, that was that was really good. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's got um, it. Yeah, she yeah. nailed it. <laughs> All right. um, yeah, so empowering, I guess, to me means like making sure your airmen are properly equipped to succeed in whatever capacity that is, whatever your job it is. Um, especially with like my team here at the Intel Wing, there's no one road from A to B, right? We can't just like, we, we, there's so many different ways to get to the same end goal. And I give them the tools and the knowledge, but the biggest part that I found that helps them succeed is the why. Right. So why do we do this whole thing? Right. What is the whole purpose of exactly what you're doing here and what is the end result? So I'm going to give you these tools and now I need you to build your own roadmap and then let's talk about it. Let's talk about how you decided to go from A to B and which tools did you utilize and how did you get there? And then um, one analyst did it this way. Another analyst did it this way. Another analyst did it this way. And then we're going to all come together and talk about it. All right, and which one was the most successful? Which one was the easiest? And like reinvent the wheel, I guess, is what you would say. It doesn't have to be, well, this is because we've always done it this way. This is how we used to do it. Like empowering your airmen means giving them the tools to succeed and then letting them figure it out, you know? Sure, like sometimes you have to put the bumpers up, right? Like start coloring outside <laughs> the lines a little too far, like, oh, no, 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 come back, you know? But um, just letting them figure it out for themselves, I think, is what empowerment is all about. So I, I guess I'll add to that, right? And I think you, I think you made some, some really good points, given giving the tools and allowing you to go off and succeed. I think a part of it is allowing allowing someone to go off and fail too, mm -hmm. right? Failure is an excellent teacher. 
And I think we talked about that last week a little bit. Um, but no, I think you, you both have awesome points. One of the things that I, I wanted to, right, we're talking about empowered airmen, right? Is we, I want to focus on specifically the airmen piece for a second, because I believe this was a topic of conversation last week. So somebody asked me, and this is one of those networking conversations that happened after hours. Somebody said, hey, uh, what do you call, um, you know, uh, an E-5 in the Marines? And I said, sergeant? And he said, no, you call him a Marine. What do you call somebody that's in the Army? You call him a soldier. And when you ask somebody in the Air Force what they do, what do they do? AFSC. They, yeah. tell you you're, they tell you you're AFSC, right? I'm an intel person. I'm a jet mechanic. I'm a paralegal. But none of us say I'm an airman, big A airman, right? We don't. So I think... When we start talking about the why, when we start talking about the overall culture, we have to get back to, and we talked about this a lot uh, at, at the workshop, is that we have to be airmen first, and we are AFSC second. So to Chief Muti's point, you see somebody pushing a piece of age equipment out on the flight line, you could very easily say, yeah, that's not my job, or you could easily say, hey, you know what, that's a fellow airman I'm going to go help out. Uh, I think that's an important part of the, not necessarily the empowerment part, uh, maybe self-empowerment, but that's an important part of the, the, the big A airman thing that we're missing and a, and a change in the culture that we need to have. So um, just wanted to make that point anyways. Yeah, no, and I, I think, I mean, that was a discussion that we had that we're, you know, we're airmen that, you know, we're war fighters, you know, it, it's in the airman's creed um, that also, do an AFSE. So as, 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 to your point, you know, we need to continue to focus on what, who we are and what we are. And then also, um, when we make decisions, we need to continue, maybe even start, depending on who you are, making decisions, but using the lens of how this affects the organization, the unit, the wing, so on and so forth, and less of how this affects me. Because when we, again, those are, to me, those are those, those are those flips. Those are those situations in your career when you, you can tell yourself, wow, yep, I'm getting it. And, and personally, that, that's where I'm progressing, is when I'm making decisions and the first thing I think of is, okay, how does this affect the organization? Like, how, how does us doing this affect the organization? And when, when we start doing that, you, you really start understanding the, the bigger picture. And you really start understanding how you, because all the decisions you make actually do affect the organization, right? But you don't always look at it that way. And when you start doing that, it's when you really are starting to grasp onto that big picture and really starting to grasp onto that, like what I do matters and what I do makes change and, and, and all those conversations. And I think that's also a part of that is that when we start, th those, that's the evolution, that's the growth. That's, that's some of the stuff that we talked about over the course of the week, right? You, you talked about how, how uh, chiefs handled the situation. Th those are those evolutions and those growths when you start looking at and saying to yourself, wow, I, I'm maturing, I'm growing, I'm developing. And, and these are all those little skill sets that, again, maybe may may stuff that we should talk about more, that it just all of a sudden you start seeing it, feeling it, understanding it. Someone says to you like, hey, I noticed you did this and this, and then, that that is, that is those are the developments, and I, I think that that's really important. And and having those side conversations and stuff, and 
and it, it, it was it was eye-opening it was in a good way because you know that's that's what people were talking to but without being kind of like hand carried to that conversation so no, that's great great conversations all right so as we wrap things up on this podcast uh final final thoughts Jordan Lundgren I think, you know, going into time conference, I'll, I'll speak for me personally, I was excited because it was a break from my day to day, right? I was getting a chance to walk away from my desk and my computer and kind of recage my brain, right? Given that opportunity to stop thinking about my to-do list um, that is ever growing, but an opportunity to grow as a leader and network and I think that time is invaluable and um, thankful for the opportunity on that awesome Sergeant Collie um, yeah overall it was a, a great experience but again like everything it's uh it is what you make of it right so you could go there and take open-eyed naps for five days just <laughs> not be at your desk you know what I mean and what did you take away from it probably nothing um, so I mean a slew of great great speakers a lot of chiefs um officer panel first sergeants everyone everyone like there was no shortage of knowledge in that room um and yeah overall it was great uh dr frost knocked it out of the park i mean you cuss too much if you are listening dr frost tone it back a little bit (laughs) um chief barbie you know put into perspective um the CIBs that we got, every, it just all around. It was a very well-rounded workshop. Um, and I mean, I would love to go back. I don't know if, if that's like an option for returning tech sergeants or anything like that, or maybe you guys can put in a, oh, hey, this is some of our previous people and this is where they are now or something like that. I, I'm not sure. But um, I, I, I just thought it was a, a good experience overall. Awesome. I think it's a great experience uh, just to, again, uh, talk with the team, meet new people. It's always great to meet new people. And I think uh, it's kind of a little bit humbling and rewarding to to hear that with the uh, inabilities to get to formal trainings, PMEs and stuff, that this did at least provide some of the benefits of those. of going to formal PMEs with the networking and the talking and the discussion and, and building those teams and fostering those relationships. So it's, it's uh, nice to hear that because I know that from our standpoint, you know, putting this together and working through it is again, that, that really is one of the, the key takeaways from, from the time conference is to build that network and build those bonds. Um, because again, that, that is, one of my concerns of that gap in PME and stuff is is kind of uh, losing that. So I appreciate hearing that, and I think that that was just a again just it's so rewarding to be able to step away, take a take a moment for yourself, take a moment for your your professional development, um, and, and and to then grow and build upon that. Yeah, I think I think my overall takeaway is that uh, I appreciated developing, you know, furthering relationships with both people that I knew before and people that I never met before. Uh, I can tell you that Chief Muti and I had only sat in a room together on one other occasion uh, before getting to the time conference. And, uh, you know, he's a lifelong friend at this point. Uh, I think 
besides developing relationships, like having the opportunity to have uh, the adjutant general, General Keefe, come and talk to us and say, here's where the Commonwealth of Massachusetts is going. Uh, having uh, Brigadier General Gaglio come as the air boss and saying, here's where the Air National Guard uh, is going in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I think those were fantastic opportunities in, in and of themselves. And then, yeah, Sergeant Colley, like, like Sergeant Colley said, uh, Dr. Frost, um, for listeners out there, go to YouTube, uh, look up Dr. Mike Frost. He is a longtime uh, law enforcement professional. He's ridiculous educational background, but man, can he capture an audience? He just, he really grabs your attention. Um, just the ability to kind of come together and have real talk, right? Like that was, I think for me, that was probably the best part where we can all sit down and just have a real conversation with one another. And then hopefully, I think uh, to your point, Sergeant Colley, uh, I would personally like to see this happen more often. I think right now the periodicity is every two years. I think we, we at least make that an annual thing. Uh, if not, ooh. The, the Chief Jeffers and Chief Hurl are going to be mad for saying this, but maybe uh, maybe we try and do this uh, twice a year uh, as as something for everyone involved. So, um, yeah, this is an awesome conversation. So, great conversation, everyone. Uh, I really appreciate you all coming out, um, especially our our friends from the 104th. That was quite a drive you had to endure, and you got uh, it's only half done. So you got to go back. Uh, but thanks very much for coming out. And uh, a lot of information was shared here. And uh, it really hit the mark. And uh, hopefully we've got plenty of people listening that can uh, take advantage of this information and this discussion. So thanks again. And uh, that'll be it. Uh, Chevron's is out.